Good morning. Welcome again. And um, we're, uh, we're hitting our uh, week five of our series on building strong families. But I just want to hit a couple things before we dive into that. Um, you'll notice in your program, if you are a family that wants to register a child in our preschool, we get a preferential week this week to get spots. So uh, if you're interested in registering your child for preschool, it's in the program there. And Renee is here. Renee, do you just want to stand up? And this is who you need to talk to. Yeah. And uh, let's have a, a, a hand of encouragement for CELOS. And I really encourage you guys to come after uh, Michael Belanger's making some Nepalese food. And if you want to learn more and go deeper into uh, what God is doing there, um, I just super encourage you to do that. Uh, also, thanks for praying because uh, in the last two Sundays, Zeke and I have been on our way to and on our way back from Nigeria. We had uh, seven or eight major prayer requests, and to the best of our understanding, all of them were answered. Uh, so thank you for praying. Uh, the work is going on, uh, gangbusters over there. We've added this year a special focus on multiplication. And uh, we've been asking the Lord to raise up uh, the kind of leaders that uh, we've, he raised up in, in the first tribe, the Dukawas. And we were really encouraged uh, that the two largest tribes uh, have new uh, leaders over their discipleship and evangelism work. And they are amazing young men of God that we got a chance to meet and know. So God's answering prayers. Uh, I just want to encourage you on that. And um, there'll be more coming as we unpack our trip and so forth. Uh, but thanks for praying. We felt it and we needed it. Um, and lastly, yesterday, uh, Ryan Snow and Dr. Anna Jensek from our congregation led a, a morning seminar on the uh, impact of technologies and uh, the impact of screen, screen time technology, social media on our families. And it's, uh, as you know, a tsunami. But I learned some things yesterday that really, I mean, super challenged me and encouraged me. Um, but w- with a doctor in, in the congregation who could tell us by age group what all of the research is saying about the impact of screen time and what is best for kids, the recommendations of the medical community. So that uh, was absolutely fantastic. And the encouragement is for you to develop your own home media policy, your own home strategy. And um, so on the Connect Desk, you will see handouts that had to do with all the presentations. You will also see handouts to make your own media strategy in your family. So let me just encourage you on that. And um, as we continue on, let me remind us that our, our mission as families, we're talking about building strong families, and our mission, as we've summarized it so far, is to be an overcoming multi-generational team of disciples filled with love and grace on mission to make disciples and bring the kingdom into all of our domains. And uh, we've been uh, going at this pretty systematically through the book of Genesis. Uh, and these are the subjects we've hit. Last 
two weeks. I just want to thank Raz and Steve Sessler for great messages on multi-generational thinking and on the role of the father. And today we're going to focus on the crucial role of the mother. And to help me do that, would you please welcome my amazing bride, Marianne Beausager. Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. It is, uh, yeah, we've, this has been really fun. And uh, I am glad, I'm just so glad, sweetie, for uh, you sharing today. Um, you know, as you think about your role as a mother, what are some of the, the key foundations, the things that are most important to you as you uh, walk out your role um, as a mom? Okay, I give it some thought. Five things I've got. First, love God above all. Mm. Second, respect your husband. Third, disciple your kids and grandkids. Fourth, build a welcoming home. And fifth, serve my community well. All right. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're done. (laughs) All right. So before we unpack those uh, briefly, um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, as you look through the scriptures, who are some of the the women and mothers that have kind of got your attention and that you've you've found profitable to study? Um, Hannah. I love the fact that Hannah gave Samuel up and had more kids and just her heart as a mother. I love Deborah. We don't hear much about her kids, but I feel like she really does a good job of managing things. Lydia, the uh, seller of Purple Fabric, and Priscilla, who teamed up with her husband. Uh, yeah. making. All right, so... Yeah, those those, and I can see how some of these uh, some of these ladies have rubbed off uh, in your life. So let's dive into point number one. Okay, I'd like to read the scripture. Can you go to the next slide. Uh, Deuteronomy six five, same scripture as Steve used it last week. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. I think it's just really, really key that um, we put God first. Um, we need to be in the Word. We need to be praying. We need to be journaling. I think if the Lord tells you something, you need to be writing it down so you can remember and review it. And um, expect that the Lord's going to speak to you. He's not going to talk audibly. But, you know, if you listen and you journal, you will learn. Have a regular routine in the spot you do it. You don't have to always do it exactly the same. You can change it up. But we need to be regular. And um, you can use worship music or praise music, and I often do that through the day. We all mess up. There will be days, maybe even a few days, where you realize, I haven't done, what happened? It was going so well. Just get back on and just keep going. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice when you're in the Word and you're doing what you know you need to be doing, just the difference it makes in how I relate mm. to other people, how I relate to my husband and my kids. So that's... It's kind of like fuel. I, you know, when I see you uh, either at your chair or at your desk or out on the deck in the summertime, it, it really inspires me. Uh, and I just, I just love how diligent you are to catch God's gentle whispers of what he wants you to be doing. Yeah, that was we were away for a few days and I was just writing out some scripture there. Okay, the next one is Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. When we put the Lord first in our minds and hearts, I think everything else falls into place. Um, 
I couldn't imagine doing a mothering job without having the Lord there. So it's kind of like fuel, huh? Yep. You know, uh, I was uh, yesterday morning. It occurred to me that Jesus. I was having a quiet time. It occurred to me that Jesus was praying for me. Do Do, do you know that uh, it says that Jesus is constantly praying for all of us, and that's that's how He can save us. So I, I asked, Lord, what are you praying for me? And I had this sense like, well, the enemy wants to sift you, but I'm protecting you. And that, that covering, and I, um, I can see that with Marianne when, when she's done her quiet time. She has kind of a resolve that comes from above. So. And we all can have that. Amen. Number two, respect my husband. Okay, let's put up Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, and a little bit of 33. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And the wife must respect her husband. Okay, submission. It is a swear word in today's culture. It is not being a doormat. She, she's not a doormat. <laughs> I, he knows. I can tell you that. I he knows that. exactly what I think on everything, especially when it's important. And um, once I've voiced it, once I know that he knows, because sometimes I have to say, no, 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 you don't understand. This is more important than you think. But once that's happened, then I defer to him, and he can make decisions. Thinking back, I mean, even early in our marriage, we were, we're Canadian, so we were up in Canada, and we were having dinner with my whole family. And it was snowing, and it was ugly out, and we were going to meet friends in another town later. And my dad came back to the table, he says, oh, we're all going to go visit Trip to Panier. I look at Dennis and I think, oh, oh, no. Because what my dad says went. I mean, he would be the first to agree. He is an authoritarian, and he quite prided himself on being quite like Archie Bunker. So I thought, this isn't going to go well. We got in the car, and he said, Dennis says, no, we're going to see Bob and Mo. I said, but Dad said we would go. He said, well, he shouldn't have because he didn't really have that right. My sister comes over to the car, rolls down the window. She says, see you over at Trips. No, we're not going. What? You're kidding me. Oh, it was a big thing. But it was the right thing. I sided with him. We did the plans. And my dad never did commit me to anything that he didn't ask me for ahead of time. So Mm. we really do need to separate from our family of origin. He shouldn't have to compete with my mom and dad. So Mm. that's a really important one. Um, You know, your your comments always, uh, I I, I always am thankful because you, you bring a perspective that I don't have, which enhances, nurtures, protects, and blesses our family keeps us out of a lot of trouble, uh, and you speak the truth in love. Like when you've got something that you need to say, you say it in love. And that, that actually is a scriptural mandate, but it's also a skill. So if you, if you are having trouble speaking the truth in love to people in your life, either because of fear or any other bunch of factors... Uh, let me encourage you next Saturday to come here and take the seminar, Speaking the Truth in Love. 
Uh, EMI puts that on. It's in your program. Details are on the posters all around the church. But uh, Marianne uh, has a way of uh, disagreeing and challenging uh, things uh, in, a, in a way that are, that are really healthy and helpful. Not always and, very tactful. No, I, I disagree. I think you're... You do that well. Okay, another, another thing before we move off that is you, you really have to watch your speech. You have to watch what you say to your, about your husband. People get onto husband bashing, and it, it's just wrong. And so if you're talking poorly or somebody else is talking poorly about your husband, you need to call yourself or other people on that because that, that, that's just a really bad habit that people get into. Okay, next is a quote. There we go. Catherine Walden. Parents, you will teach your children more by scheduling regular times to nurture the relationship between husband and wife than you would ever teach them through a lecture on commitment. Although it is important to pray for your child, seek the Lord for that perfect spouse for them, it is equally important that you teach them through your example how to cherish the future gift of the companion that the Lord has in store for them. Hmm. They're watching all the time. It's really important. Thirteen years ago, Jeremy and Patty Kirk had their 50th wedding anniversary. And I'll always remember, they just talked about the importance of loving your spouse. And they went on a great big long list, but things like, if you want people to know God, love your spouse. If you want people to love their neighbor, love your spouse. If you want your children to become healthy adults, love your spouse. To pastor a church well, love your spouse. So you get my drift. It's just so important. It's just so key to everything. Okay, next, we have discipling my kids and grandkids. Okay, Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not a promise. This is a proverb, which is wisdom, and often does come out, but we sort of stand on it like it's our right, that as long as we do the right thing, it'll happen. Well, our kids have a choice, and they don't always choose wisely. Neither do I. And there'll be more on that later. Okay, next one. This is the gang. For those of you here before, Mary would be very happy to see that we aren't on the beach. (laughs) Um, The next slide is Charles Swindoll. Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. This is not a marathon. This This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. On any given day, it's so hard to see the difference you're making in the lives of your kids. Day in, day out. It's a grind. But it builds our character and it builds their character. You are supposed to be their biggest cheerleader. You need to be, recognize you know, and be realistic about their qualities, but it's important that you are always there for your kids. Sometimes you have to look out for them. I remember in elementary school, Michael wanted a buzz. I gave him a buzz. Buzzes weren't in. So the next morning I said, now, Michael, when you get on the school bus, who's mean and will say something to you? He said, oh, Chris's brother. And what do you think he'll say? He said it. I said, what are you going to say back? I won't say it. I said, no, you're not going to say that. I said, you have to be prepared that you're going to have some resistance, but you have to be careful what you say. And it's important. You know, your kids are going to get off balance often enough that when you can see that they're walking into something that's ugly, you help out. Next picture, our grandkids. In the bathing suits, oh well. Um, With kids, you want to teach them to wait. 
we have such an instant mm. culture now that they don't have to wait for anything. And they need to learn because they become entitled. They think they should get everything. And this is not, our family is not a child-centered word. It's a God-centered words world. So we have to really be careful. Um, one of the things um, is also uh, Henry Cloud, um, the author of Boundaries and a lot of other books. He talks, he was talking someplace and somebody said, well, what's the most important thing to teach your kid? And he didn't really want to say, but he finally said, you know what? You need to teach him to lose well. And they're going to lose, so they need to do it well. And so Thanksgiving, we were away, and I bought this spotted book, or bought game, compliments of Laura. And I'm playing with Ozzy. Well, obviously, I won every time, but he needed to learn to lose. Well, he started playing with Papa. I'm thinking, wait. I'm the gamer in the family. She kills me. She beats me every game. Every what? game. I'm the gamer in the family. So this I is can not give right. O- I can give Ozzy a game. That, yeah. So I said, okay, Ozzy, I'm going to change the rules. Once I spot it, I'll count to three, and then I'll take it. He won a few games that way, but at least it made it a little more fair, and I got to keep playing. <laughs> Another was um, when Dennis Jr. Uh, wanted to get into Yale. He didn't. He was devastated. He, he didn't even apply anywhere else. He, he was just so sure he was going to get in. And, you know, he sort of worked through that. It built his character, and he ended up at a really good school, and all was well. Hmm. Yeah, I, lo- I love how intentional you are on that point about learning to wait, learning, learning how to lose well. Um, and it, it's, uh, I see you with the kids reading puzzles, teaching them games, and I, I see that intentionality to not only do the activity with them, but talk to them about their heart in the activity and what is going on and how they are processing, uh, whether it's going well or not, how they're processing. I think that that intentionality really comes out in in your uh, interactions with the kids. Yeah, and it's not just quality, it's quantity too. So I see our Cincinnati kids every Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what's going on. And I see the kids from Chicago once a month. And we have had to be really intentional. Robin and I are sort of cohorts in crime. Okay, how are we doing this next month? And she says, well, I can come down on these days or these days. And we work it out. But I have seen Dennis the fourth every single month since he was born. So it's, it's really fun. Okay, moving on to the next slide. While you wait for your... Te- oh, this is by Jay Kessler. While you wait for your teenagers to grow up, you can take comfort in the fact that by the time young people reach the mid-20s, their lines are almost always identical to the lines that their parents drew. Even those who do not like certain attributes of their parents find themselves following their parents' patterns. So perhaps the point is not how we can get our kids to behave as we want them to, but how we can be the kind of parents we ought to be so that when our kids are like us, we'll like who they are. Mm. Mm. It's just good. good. They don't, we, we, life isn't taught, it's caught by the kids. They, mm. We think that we're, well, we do. We, we teach and we talk to them, but they get a lot more out of just seeing us. They need encouragement. They need lots of positive feedback. Also, our grandkids aren't ours. My kids are raising their kids differently than I would, but they're their kids. And if my mom and dad would have done that, and just respected what I wanted done, I would have appreciated it too. So when the kids go back, they don't have to retrain them. 
very much anyway. And, um, you know, your cohorts in crime with them, and uh, they, I make sure I follow their rules and do it the way they want to, and it works well. Um, yes, Psalm 102.28. The children of your people will live in, ser- in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. You want them all to feel really secure and safe with you in order for them to thrive. You know, this is a little bit like the Proverbs. Proverbs and Psalms, they just say a lot about generations and a lot about uh, how things pass through. And as as we model and pray, uh, God does something in our generations. And um, many of us are here because we had a praying grandmother. Uh, The impact... Uh, of parents, when you, I just want to encourage you, when you are near the end of your rope, persevere, because as you uh, pour into your kids and pray for them, God hears our prayers. And the generational blessing that is in this psalm and many, many others in scripture is that encouragement for us to just keep, keep pressing on. And there may be weeks or days where it's like, what are we doing? And I, I think that's, uh, Marianne, that's one of the things that encourages me. When things are not going well, you double down on prayer. Okay, number four, building a welcoming home. Uh, We've got a quote here from Billy Graham. He says, the family should be a closely knit group. The home should be a shelter of security, a kind of school where life's basic lessons are taught, a kind of church where God is honored, a place where wholesome recreation and simple pleasures are enjoyed. We need to establish routines daily and weekly. And kids will thrive when they know the rules. It's, it's not good when they're never really sure of what they're going to get. And um, both my daughter and loves do a great job of this. They're really consistent with their kids, and I think they do a great job. In the next picture, life gets messy, but it all goes back in the box at the end. And there's just, um, just so many things you can do with the kids and uh, get creative and, and take them out. Um, Psalm 128, 3 and 4. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. Regardless of whether you're working or not, home is the wife's domain. She needs to take charge. And those of you who know me know that I could be a little more careful at home. And I'm glad I have him to sort of help me with the clutter and vacuuming and various other things. <laughs> and here's a picture of us. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> when we were first married, my mom came. She said, where's the vacuum? I said, I imagine it's in the basement, that closet in the basement. She looked at me and she says, but you don't know, do you? <laughs> and I didn't. Okay. I cannot reinforce enough the power of the table. No phones, for the most part. Um, we talk about our highs and lows, we read the Bible, we hear updates, we invite friends. It, it, we just want to establish a rhythm. And it's great to go to my kids' place and see the very, very similar thing. Yeah, I, I just, I think um, your, your table has a lot of power. Um, because when, when we have people over, it's, it's not like, as you can see, it's not Martha Stewart or whatever, but it's, it's really uh, free and open and welcome. And you've got, you got people of all ages 
lot of friends who come over. Uh, it's safe. It's fun. Uh, you ask a lot of questions to get sharing going. We've, of course, had communion around there, uh, Shabbat meals. Uh, but the, the rhythm and, and, and of food and scripture and honest sharing and mutual encouragement, um, th- this is Marianne's happy place right here. Right here, she loves having the gang around, food, and things happen in that place. It is, I would say, her number one teaching platform in our family. And, and you can't be really worried about what your house looks like, how everything is all set up, because you, just, you waste time and then you miss opportunities. Well, it's kind of hard with the kids over, too. The place looks like a bomb went off, you know. So if you, if that's all you ever did. So you just got to enjoy it and clean it up when everybody goes home, you know. But even, even for people to stop in, we lived in Australia and we moved to Japan. And my friend from Australia wrote back and she said, or wrote me and she said, we just so miss you. It was so nice to stop in for coffee and just sort of hang and talk a bit. And we had friends that moved into our house that we rented it to them. And she says, it, it, it's just not the same. I feel like I've got to clean everything up and make sure that I haven't made a mess. So, so don't worry about messes and just, just worry about the relationship. That's, that's the important part. Mm-hmm. Okay, Proverbs 31. Okay, ladies. This is not to shame you. The Proverbs 31 lady is probably a composite. That we're just trying to encourage you. I hear this every Mother's Day. But Dennis pointed out, yeah, Jewish people say it every Friday night. So I'll, so, take, I'll take one versus 52. Okay. But I mean, I, I just have to say, there, there, are, there are so many women in this congregation who are Proverbs 31 ladies because this is the destiny that we have. When we have Christ inside, this is who we're going to become, right? And don't, if you're here and the perfect Proverbs 31 lady is here, don't do that. Just say, where was I last year? And see the encouragement. See what God's doing in your life and, and be walk into it. It's yours for the taking. Okay, so she is clothed with strength and dignity. And she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. And she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. So you preside over your home. You know what's going on. You know what needs to be done, what's coming up, what you're preparing for. And hey, we miss things. I am not good at details. I've missed things that I shouldn't have. But you know what? Learn from it and keep going. Martha Stewart, I am not, and you don't need to be either. So there's a real art to building a welcoming home, and it's not being a neat freak. Okay, and the next one. This is passing it on. This is Mariel's home on one of those second Tuesdays that she keeps talking about. I just love the way she does it differently, but she gathers people around the table. They're eating and and discussing, and that's just a good thing. Okay, last but not least, serving my community. There's many ways, and I think neighbor love has really helped us to think of different ways outside the box to be able to do that. Hmm. In this next one, here we're celebrating Laura Snow's birthday. And I love how many mothers here mother and encourage other women and mothers around us. And I'll always remember when Doris Murphy passed away, 
just how many young moms just missed her and how they just talked about how encouraging she always was. And uh, we, we do really miss her. But we also have Nina and Lou and Dell and Thelma, and they're, they're a big encouragement too. It's just good to comment on your kids and, and help with little ones and just do whatever you can do. Here, here is Lou Wilson at the Joy Luncheon doing her ditty. Come on, Lou, you got to smile. So, I'm not very funny. She is. We're a great team. But for those of you, okay, and the Joy Luncheon is not for those who are 80 or 90. The Joy Luncheon is for women. We don't have child care, so those ones with young, young kids, it doesn't work. But this Wednesday, we have a Joy Luncheon. He's going to do the devotional. I'm going to help Alyssa with the meal. And uh, it should be good. So if you want to come, let me know. 11 to 1. Okay, next is family camp. And last year we had 16 cup, cup families that went. And it's just a really good way to build into young moms with families. Next is a Proverbs 31 again. We're, we're doing that this year in June, I think. Yes, in June. If you want to go, be there. Proverbs 31, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. There's just so many ways to do that right here in Marymount. But um, I've got a picture next. These are girls from Casa Hogar Mama Palita. We have had a relationship with them since 2000. It started through back-to-back. It's mothering the motherless. And this summer, the leaders came down or came up uh, with a big van. And we just decided we were going to bless them. Heather Hobart and Teresa Earhart and a bunch of others brought them down to the family shop, outfitted all of them, then outfit right down to shoes for every one of the kids went back. We stuffed, I mean, I should have had a picture of that. Mm. We stuffed the back of that vehicle like there's nobody's business. It was wonderful. In my last... But that family shop ministry is a great picture of uh, our mothers mothering the community and serving the community. Um, yeah. Amen. <clears throat> and as I started on the Lord, I'll end on it. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So, uh, Marianne, thanks for sharing your five. Uh, and as I think about where she started and where she ended, uh, I want to spend the rest of our service today uh, encouraging and blessing uh, our women. And uh, so we know that to be a mother requires an outpouring of God's grace. And we need grace to walk out the plan that we're walking right now. And so uh, we have some awesome veteran moms. And um, Donna's going to fill you in on that in a second. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the worship team come up. We're going to have some worship. We are going to have some prayer teams. So the prayer teams will be up here on the sides. We're going to celebrate communion today. Communion is the wonderful exchange between our mess and our sin and the perfection of Jesus. And he shed his body and blood for us so that our sin can be paid for, forgiven, and we can be set free. So I encourage you uh, to enter into a time of worship, prayer, and when you're ready, take communion. Then, in addition to that, 
we're going to have, uh, we have nine foot washing stations on the side here uh, where you will receive a f- uh, women, young women, uh, you will receive a foot washing, you will receive uh, anointing, and you will receive words of affirmation over you uh, in the spiritual realm. The, they will, the, the ladies will speak over you. So I want to invite every woman here. Every woman here, and Donna's going to explain that to us now. So Donna, would you mind uh, coming? And uh, All right. And I be, as Donna comes, Mary Ann's just going to pray for every, for every woman. And Lord, I thank you so much for every woman here in this congregation, those that are mothers, those that are spiritual mothers, and those that eventually will be mothers. Lord, I thank you for each woman. I ask that you would continue to build into them, that they would feel your presence, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that they would, um, they would glean um, a gem from what's been said. And, Lord, that they would uh, just continue to grow and become more Christ-like. And we thank you in Jesus' name. 